This podcast is brought to you by Onnit. Go to Onnit.com and look at the great selection of supplements. If you find something you like, press in code Joey and get 10% off delivered right to your house. What's happening, you bad motherfuckers? It's Thursday, the 8th of December. I want to welcome the joint rocket to the podcast. Listen, most Americans... They think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions when actual it's closer to 200. You could be wasting hundreds of dollars each month on subscriptions you didn't even know about. That's why I love Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill. The app shows all your subscriptions in one place and cancels whatever ones you don't want. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't even know you were paying for. You could even find out that you've been double charged for a subscription. To cancel subscription just press cancel and rocket money takes care of the rest it's that easy get rid of useless subscriptions with rocket money now go to rocketmoney.com slash joey again go to rocketmoney.com slash joey if you if you want to save hundreds per year that's rocketmoney.com slash joey this thing this app will blow your fucking mind so cancel your unnecessary subscriptions right now at rocketmoney.com slash joey remember what bert said what bill burr said about the bank taking 28 bucks a month from him and not even knowing it this is why you take care of your action with rocketmoney.com slash joey the joint is also brought to you by liquid iv listen make sure your hydration stays on top of your daily list liquid iv is the easy way to stay hydrated get five essential vitamins and hydrate two times faster than with water alone with one stick of liquid iv look at i love the concord grape the fucking strawberry is tremendous cooler weather makes it easier to miss signs of dehydration like overheating so it's even more important to stay hydrated liquid iv has five essential vitamins b3 b5 b6 b12 and vitamin c made with pre Premium ingredients, liquid IV is free from gluten. Listen, the holidays are coming. COVID's rampant. The flu is rampant. You want to stay hydrated. Do me a favor. Grab your liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off when you shop. Better hydration at liquidiv.com. Use code Joey at checkout. Again, that's 20% off anything with code Joey at liquidiv.com. And this Saturday is UFC 282. We're fucking throwing down, Jack, at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. This Saturday, new customers can get just bet $5 pre-fight money line on any fighter to win. And get 150 in free bets when they do. It's that easy. I'm looking at Darren Till. There's a couple of fighters there, but I won't know for sure till the weigh-in. Right now, everyone can earn up to 50% boost when you place the same game parlay on UFC 282. Download the app right now. Sports DraftKings Sportsbook app. And I'll tell you what, that little uh, fantasy app ain't bad either. You could download that, that app also. And remember, that's code Joey this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Let's get this party started. It's Thursday morning, cocksmokers.
Amani. What up, you bad motherfuckers? Here we are on another Thursday. I think it's the 8th of December. I don't even fucking know anymore. Doesn't matter. Time just fucking flies, no matter what the fuck you want to do. It's been a great couple days. Um, feeling good, looking good. The team, the 2-0, my wife's fucking uh, basketball team. My wife's doing a great job coaching and shit. Uh, we went over there the other day for practice. What a fucking nightmare when you try. Listen, the hardest people to control are seven fucking young women. It's My wife even told me afterwards, she goes, me taking this job and me taking this fucking coaching job, this is rough on me. Oh, she's going to bed at 10 o'clock, 9.30s and shit. So coaching is not for everybody. Thank God I'm the assistant to the assistant to the assistant to the assistant to the assistant. And I just sit over and yell, rebound, defense, jump, you fuck, bite them. You know, shit like that. Fucking crazy news yesterday I got. Uh, I talked to Rogan last night. He was telling me about Caroline's closing. And then I went online. I saw it. And I'm like, what the fuck? I thought they were moving, but they're closing. They're fucking, you know, listen, I heard 20 different stories. I heard that the uh, they had to move out of there. The, the landlord raised the rent. You know, what, what landlord hasn't raised the rent? You know, what landlord hasn't done cheesy things during this fucking uh, pandemic, you know? But from my perspective, I mean, as a, as a comedian, how I got into it, when I got into it, listen, guys, when I got into it, it was plain and fucking simple. It was 1991. The clubs you wanted to perform at were Caroline's in New York City. There was just something to that name. And the comedy store in L.A. That That's all I remember, guys. I Everything else was background music. Yeah, you wanted to do a club in Texas, and I wanted to play the underground, but the two main fucking clubs <clears throat> were, you know, Caroline's on Broadway. When I took the Sony Hall residency, I, I loved it because of those two words at the end. Sony Hall on Broadway. Do you understand the power of those two fucking words? I mean, that's as powerful as can fucking be. So when I was a young comic looking up to, you know, what comedy clubs I would write my goals down, you know how many fucking times I walked past uh, Caroline's in the summer of fucking 93 when I was delivering sales packages for phone companies and shit? Do you have any fucking idea? I would walk by Caroline's every day, the comic strip. And if I got up up that far, the 70s to the 80s, I'd stop at uh, Stand Up New York. Why? I don't know. At that time, I would just read their lineups. You know, like I would go to Caroline's and see who was coming and go, wow, you know, this guy's going to come here. Wow, this guy's going to come there. You know, so I would go to Caroline's as a fan. Like I remember paying for tickets to go to Caroline's. I, I forget who the fuck I went to see. Who the fuck did I go see? I went to see the chick from Night Court, you know, like Marsha. And I went to see somebody else at Caroline's. You know, I was already doing comedy. <clears throat> and it was like, 
I don't I couldn't remember what they said. I couldn't remember what they said. I, I don't remember what they said. You know why? Because I was in awe the whole fucking time. It had to be Yeah, like ninety three. I saw Marshall Warfield and I saw some other comic too. I forget who maybe Martin Lawrence, maybe. I don't know who the fuck it was at Caroline, but they were tremendous and i remember you know as a fucking comedy fan and as a future comic i didn't listen i remember when i heard that martin lawrence made ten thousand an episode at def jam like i my fucking head almost blew up and i'm like ten thousand an episode i'll never make that fucking money but i'll be happy with 500 you know what i'm saying but ten thousand like i'm never making like that's the kind of money when I when I started comedy, it was like he was getting ten thousand episode. Carlos Mencia was getting like seventy five hundred episode for Loco Slam. You know, you were hearing all these little things. You know, as a young comic, you're like a fucking washwoman. You know, hey, what's going on here? What do you think he makes? You know, whatever. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you fucking uh, you know those were those were some outrageous fucking numbers. You know, so for me, I never thought I would reach that, but I would go to those shows. And just being fucked, like, it was just tremendous, like, everything. I didn't care if my drink was bad. I didn't care if there was no air conditioning. I was just happy to be there, like, be a part of something. Even as a fucking spectator, like, I was like, wow, as a comedian, someday I'll pay fucking Caroline's, you know? And it's funny because I uh, left New Jersey, and I never, I never thought I'd be good enough to play Caroline's. Like, never, ever, ever, ever. And then I got a call one night, one day from a friend of mine, Roger, and he said, listen, do you want to do, a, he's a comedy booker in New York, he goes, do you want to do the Toyota Comedy Festival? And I'm like, absolutely, you know, absolutely. Toyota Comedy Festival, everybody's going to Montreal and doing all these festivals, I'm at the fucking lonely New York City Toyota Comedy Festival. And... uh fucking crazy i went down there i invited my friends this had to be 1999 maybe 2000 i get a call from roger do you want to be on uh, the latino show at caroline's for the toyota comedy festival i'm like fuck yeah in fact god rest his soul the kid who was putting it together just died two weeks ago Died with a long bout of cancer. Mike Robles, God rest his soul. But I went down there. I'm like, guys, this is Caroline's, right? I'm going to fucking get my chance to be on Broadway. One of these theaters, one of these club owners is going to see me and run up to me and give me the deal of a lifetime and fucking tell me that I'm great. Yeah, this is what happens when you do those things. After You know, I was at the comedy store already. It's not like I was walking around with a mind fuck. I, I was doing it, you know. So I get this thing to go to the comedy festival, and I get the Carolines. 20 of my friends come. The show starts at fucking 8, guys. You're not going to believe this. This is just for young comics to let you know. Don't put your, all your eggs in a basket. Your dream ain't going to happen. It's hard work that does it day in and day out. I don't give a fuck what anybody tells you. I get there, and the fucking, uh, my buddies are in the audience. I'm excited. I got great material. And they come up to me, and they're like, we forgot to tell you, we booked a salsa band. <laughs> so, <laughs> listen, man, you know, 
Like I tell young comedians, don't take it personal. This shit happens. Uh, for years, I was mad at Mike Robles over this. I mean, this happened in 2000. I didn't start talking to Mike Robles again until I found out he was sick. I gave him a call. I sent some money. You know, he did put me on Loco Slam and that. But I wanted to kill him that night. So my fucking thing was, <laughs> you know, and I tell you guys, you know, you guys think that we were fucking driving around in Mercedes Benz smoking big cigars and shit. You die for years, guys. You die financially, emotionally. Every once, every four times a year as a comic, you die emotionally. You go home, you snort 22 kilos, you eat some fat chick's asshole, and you wish for the best. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that that's the truth, guys. Because Insecurity is a must because of nights like this. So I get to this fucking festival. The place is sold out. 20 of my high school friends are there. And this motherfucker tells me, that I'm going up after the salsa band. Now, I know that's a death sentence right there, right? Like, that's that's just a fucking recipe for destruction. You're in no danger of ever doing anything with your life. Every insecurity I felt came back on me that fucking night. Uh, quitting high school, getting arrested, being a loser. I mean, I'm like, why the fuck? And I wanted to choke the dude. Listen, I wanted to choke. I kept going up to him going, dog. Why don't we let the band close out the fucking show? It just makes sense. Why don't we let the fucking band close out the show? And this mother, and this motherfucker's like, nah, 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 nah. You're strong. You're, and I, you know, they would blow smoke up my ass with that shit all the time. But bro, you're a strong actor. You, you know, like all the comics in L.A., the Latino comics always make me work clean. But when I get to that room, it's like, all right, you can do what you want, but. You got to go blast. Fucking why do I got to go blast for? Huh? Because you're dirty. They would always blow smoke up my ass. But you're clean. You know, you, you're a killer, dog. You're, no, I'm not a fucking killer. I'm just dirty. Knock it the fuck off. These motherfuckers. Anyway. Fucking 1130. I'm still not on stage. My friends are getting tired. They got to go to work the next day and shit. They're coming back. They're knocking on the door. Joey, 10 more minutes. I know this fucking. The salsa band's up there. You know they're non-union. Those salsa bands are not union. They'll go forever. They'll just play those fucking maracas forever. <laughs> I didn't get on stage till like fucking midnight. By the time I got on stage, I was so fucking hot that I was going to kill a motherfucker. Do you understand me? I just took my fucking, the $50 they gave me. I got in the car with my friends. I didn't say a word. They saw me bomb. Listen. There's a couple things in life I don't like doing. It's like going to a game with a jersey on. You ever see these idiots? We're going to the game. Then the team loses, and you got to come home with the fucking jersey on all afternoon looking like an asshole. People are like, ah, oh, you went to the game, you fucking idiot. And I know <laughs> if you're a true fan, it don't hurt. But guys like me, that shit bothers me. So now I had to get in the car with the dudes who just seen me bomb. They're like my best friends, but they just saw me fucking eat a bag of dicks. And that tormenting me in the fucking car. And I'm not talking about, you know, these nice guys that goof on each other. Ha <laughs> ha. These are my friends from North Bergen. These guys are telling me I'm a loser. I should get a day job. I'm a fucking bum. Oh, it was horrible. Horrible. The fucking people were there from uh, Caroline's. I felt like an idiot. But guess what happened? In the middle of all this, guys. So you got to remember, no matter, I don't care if you get hit by a car. There's always a silver lining. 
Okay, maybe you land in a pocket full of money. You know, you get hit by a truck. You land over the fence as a fucking... 10 naked women sucking each other off. You land right in the middle of the fucking Eureka. There you are. Who gives a fuck that you got 10 broken bones? Really, seriously. Here's the silver fucking lining, guys. In the middle of all my anger and all my fucking... Just, I was just fucking pissed. A girl comes up to me. I forget what her fucking name was. I'm still friends with her. You know, she calls me in for different jobs. She goes, listen, man, I just came here to watch my friend perform. But I saw you, and I got to be honest with you, I, I, I got to give you like a general meeting. She goes, I, do you know who Sh uh, Sheila Jaffe is? And I'm like, yeah, I guess. And she's telling me her, and she goes, I work for them. And I tell you what, they're looking. You'd be perfect for the Sopranos. I didn't even know what the fucking Sopranos really were. I knew they were a show. They had done the first uh, season. I had watched like three sh episodes, but I didn't know it was that fucking big. And she came and she told me, like, listen, uh, you know, if you could be here tomorrow at 11, I, I, we'd love that. So no matter how bad the set was and shit, like that was the only bright spot. But come on, what are the chances of me getting the fucking Sopranos? So that's my fucking Caroline story. But... I always felt like, fuck, I can't go back in the Carolines now. Like, I bombed so hard with after that salsa band. And, you know, guys, listen, the material was probably good. My timing was good. But sometimes you lose before you even get to the stage. Sometimes something, you know, and it's like, I tell my wife sometimes, listen, on podcast days or comedy days, don't bust my balls. I really, I really don't want to hear it. I, I really don't. You know, you never know what happens on the way to a fight. I saw a comic once that's one of the best comics working on the way to a show. He got into a car accident. You know, somebody fucking ran a red light and hit him. When this guy got on the stage an hour after the accident, he was fucking, you could see, he was still shook. After we talked and we smoked some pot with him and then we gave him a drink, he went up there to the second show and destroyed that fucking room. But sometimes things affect you, like things shake you up. You get, and for me that night it was anger. After that, I checked. I said, you know what? Make sure you don't get angry. I like getting angry before my shows, not too angry. There's like a line. <laughs> there's, there's, a line. there's a fine line. Like I like getting a little anger. Like, you know, you're doing something stupid. Like for me, it was always getting mad at uh, Red Band and for like Tate for having matching phones and <laughs> shit. I, what the fuck? Matching. And it would bother me all day, but I wouldn't say shit until an hour before the show because I want to get riled up. So if I ever yell at you before a show, just go, he's just fucking getting ready. After the show, I'll run right to you and go, thank you for getting me riled up. I had a great set because of you, <laughs> cocksucker. So so I, I was just embarrassed to go back to fucking, uh, you know, I never, I was like, fuck Caroline's. I'm never going back in there. In fact, I'm never going to 42nd Street, 48th Street, wherever the fuck it is. And then I was at the store one night. It had to be like 2001. And I got a, I was working and uh, something we were talking and my fucking idol, my fucking idol, Paul Mooney tells me, hey man, what are you doing this weekend? I go, nothing. He goes, you're from New York, right? I go, yeah, I'm from Jersey. Same shit, New York City. He goes, you're going to be there this week? It was like Monday. I bumped into him during the comedy store open mic. He goes, nah, because if you were there this weekend, I'd have you open for me at Caroline's. I'm like, well, what What did you just say? And he goes, yeah, I would have you open for me at Caroline's. I was like, Ugh. 
I felt like telling them my relationship with Caroline's, but Paul Mooney wasn't from the whining comedy school. You know, if I told Paul Mooney that story that I went there and bombed Paul Mooney, I, I don't even want to tell you what he would say to me. It wouldn't be fucking nice to say on this podcast, but he wouldn't fucking go for that shit. That's what made Paul Mooney Paul Mooney. And it built that fucking spine in us. You know, what do you mean you're not going to go because you bombed? Are you fucking, what are you, a fucking faggot? Get on the fucking, you know, so I didn't say that. So I'll call you tomorrow and let you know. I went home that night, did a couple lines of coke, and I'm like, I got to go back and get mine. You know me, dog. I'm a revengeful motherfucker. The weekend paid 200 It was two shows, midnight shows, and they paid me $100 a show. Two midnight shows. My plane ticket was three fifty eight. I'll never fucking forget this, because I had to borrow that three hundred fifty eight fucking dollars and pay it back. You know, I had to put myself in a hotel. I think, thank God, Ralphie May was in town, and got me a hotel room or something like that. It was something crazy. They gave him two hotel rooms, and his feature wasn't coming, so he just got a local feature in Bananas. So I just had to get myself to New Jersey every fucking day, and that's a piece of cake. So I took the gig, even though it was a loser. I was losing fucking $158 just to prove my fucking point, okay? I don't give a fuck what you're doing. You're like, if you're a plumber and you blow up some lady's toilet and shit like that, you're not going to not go there again, right? You're going to go there and do a, the best job you can, and she's going to remember you for fucking ever for going back. Sometimes, man... <clears throat> the respect, you, you know, like you apologize to somebody for something you did 10 years ago and they'll go, you know what, man, your respect in my world just went up 10% for you apologize. Sometimes you apologize to yourself and you get so much more respect out of yourself that that takes a long, <clears throat> that takes a long, sorry, this is what happens after I do a couple fucking bong hits, it shakes up the shit in my lungs and then it gets stuck over here like a little dickless, like somebody came in my fucking throat. I can't imagine having to suck a dick and somebody comes in your throat and that thick little fucking juice just sits there all day and here you are drinking water and milk and nothing breaks that fucking... It's not good. It's not good. So this, I'm sorry about the coughing. But uh, yes, I'm the type of dude I can't lose like that. And even though I was not going to make any fucking money and they were midnight shows, which fucking sucks, but not for me because I picked up spots to warm up for those midnight shows. I'll never forget, I got there and Paul Mooney was like, hey man, you're doing a half hour straight. It's a two-man show. I was like, fuck. Again, I hate two-man shows because that means I got to come out and walk with them and be a great host and blah, 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 blah. Fine, I fucking went out there Guys, you know I don't blow my own horn like this. I don't know what material I was saying, but I was not going to bomb in front of Paul Mooney. Do you understand me? I was not going to bomb Paul Mooney. Either you were going to laugh or I was going to fucking punch on you until you started fucking laughing. That's the attitude I went out that night. It's fine to bomb. You know, Paul seen me bomb at the comedy store, and that's fine. It's a 15-minute spot, and there's eight people in the audience, you know. But I'm not bombing in a full fucking room. Sold out to the T. Celebrities in the room. I'm not bombing. And I went up there, guys, with the fucking fury of, I don't know what the fuck. I just went up there with the weirdest fury. I don't even remember sets from that time. But I made it a point to fucking 
destroy that room. And I'll never forget when I walked off to hand the mic to Paul Mooney, he whispered in my ear, homie, you got to slow this motherfucker down next show. <laughs> and then that, and I'll never forget, I was so fucking high on that Friday night, not on drugs, not on coke, not on alcohol. I was just fucking high on comedy. And let me tell you something. I'll t I could tell you the, fi the five times in 30 years where I was high off comedy. And that is a great feeling. And for, for years, people always talk about, well, when a comic gets off stage, this is why they get, you know, they get to do drugs to continue that. When you're doing little spots, you don't really feel that. It's when you do an hour and you're there, like after like, like I was never excited after my special tapings. But like, uh, what did I do a couple of years ago? That was just, it was like my first theater or something. And I thought my timing would be off. And my timing was better than expected. When I got off that stage, I was fucking, uh, what do you call that shit when you float? Like I was, I was just walking on air. But that Caroline set was so fucking powerful. I had a couple tears in my eyes after Mooney went on stage and I went to the green room. I'll never forget somebody who worked there came up to me and they were like, dog, that's the best set we've seen from a feature act in a long fucking time. I'm like, thank you. And they left, and they didn't understand where I was fucking coming from. <clears throat> and I'll never forget that I went to the back of the room to watch Paul Mooney, even though I had seen him 100,000 times. I couldn't go anywhere. Like, I couldn't talk to anybody. Like, I was that, it was like revenge. It was fucking revenge. It was like somebody, it was death wish. Somebody rapes your mother, and then you put 10 bullets in his dick. You know, it's fucking revenge at its best, but in a comedic sort of way, like a personal type of vendetta. I'll never forget I'm sitting back there, minding my own fucking business, just watching Paul Mooney going, I'm going to do this for the next 10 fucking years. I barely made it to this. I'm a Carolines after 10 years. I finally killed the Carolines. I got one more show left, but... The way I'm fucking feeling right now, I'm going to kill it. In the middle of all this, just it was like Paul Mooney was talking on stage, but I could not understand the word he was saying. Like, I was just watching. That's that's how much my body was just fucking, like, percolating. I wasn't thinking of cocaine. I wasn't thinking of getting cocaine. I wasn't thinking of getting anybody. I fucking look up, and I see the girl that plays... Like, there was a bunch of people that I, I saw on television there. A lot of soap opera people that I had just seen over the years. I don't even know what their fuck their names are. <clears throat> but I saw a lot of people that were like, a couple basketball players were there from the Knicks that night. People were saying they had security with them. But when I fucking, out of all the, and they were all African American. And I understand that they were there to see Paul Mooney. But the, the whole night was made for me. When I popped my head up at one time and I looked over and the girl from League of Their Own. You ever see League? Gina Davis? The other one. The girl that fucking is her sister. Gina Davis as a sister. Laurie. I like Lil to say Laurie Metcalf or something like that. I don't know what her name Tank Girl? Yes, Tank Girl. Fucking, I'm sitting there like this, watching Paul Mooney in awe and just letting myself come down from whatever the fuck just happened in my world. And I fucking look over and see Tank Girl, and she's watching Paul Mooney, like, all in, right? Like, all in, right? This is a white girl that's watching a black dude 
destroy white people on stage. At this point in the night, he's destroying black people. I'll never forget that night, guys. I'll never forget the jokes he was saying that night. Some Africans were there, and they heckled him, and he threw him the fuck out. He goes, get the fuck out of here, you motherfucking Africans. Where the fuck were you when I needed you? Showing up now, 20 years later, with a fucking watch to sell me. He was just throwing people out of that room. Oh, my God. He was on a roll, Paul Mooney. But Lori Metcalf, that's her name, Tank Girl, was saying his fucking jokes, guys. So let's say... Paul Mooney was saying a joke. She was fucking talking it over like she knew his material. And I'm like, what the fuck? And out of nowhere, she caught me and she walked over like after like 20 minutes. Lori Petty. Lori Petty. She came over. She goes, bro, you had a good fucking set. And I go, thank you. I go, how do you know Paul Mooney? And she's like, blah, blah. I went to parties. I used to go to the comedy store 10 years ago. I went to Richard's house for parties. She's in the army now with Paulie. With Paulie, yeah. So she knew comedy, you know. So she was like, you did great, blah, blah, blah. You know, are you going to hang out? She was doing a play in New York City at the time. So she goes, are you hanging out? And I go, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm hanging out. There was food and drinks and a bunch of shit. But after the show, it's just... I'm the type of guy I know where I don't belong. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I just didn't belong there. I went back there. I talked to Lori. Paul Mooney gave me a hug. He was like, great set, homie. You know, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a fucking walk. Because at that time, it was like 1 in the morning. It was like 2.30 in the morning. Here we are on 48th and fucking Broadway. I got to get back to fucking Jersey. I met some kid, Jimmy. Uh, I saw him years later and... LA, I don't know what he's doing now. I met a kid, Jimmy, that night. And I'll never forget, Jimmy was like, like, fucking, he was maybe an open micer at the time. And he, when I when I went outside, he's like, man, I've been waiting for you. That was tremendous. I've been doing comedy for four years. That's what I want to be. Can I buy you a slice of pizza and you could talk to me about the recipe, about what you did? I'll never forget this shit. And I was like, let's go. And we walked around. We got a slice of pizza. And then uh, I went to Port Authority. I don't even think fucking buses were running. I don't even think buses were running. I remember that I was fucking wired. I don't know how I got home, but I went to my buddy's house. And I stood outside his house. I hadn't seen him in like 10 years. No, I hadn't seen him in like six years, seven years, and I heard he was living there, and I went, and I stood outside his house. He's my friend Darren Rago. He died like uh, maybe a year after I didn't see him, because I remember when they called me and told me he died. I go, I just fucking saw him, but I'll never forget. I stayed out there all night by myself on his fucking porch, and about 8 o'clock, I rang his doorbell, and he answered. He lived on like a building, not a house. And we went to get fucking breakfast. And the next, that Saturday night, I went to fucking Caroline's and leveled them even worse than I did the night before. It was fucking tremendous. I gave Paul a hug. They gave me my check for $200. And I went home and I got in the plane. But guess what? It wasn't about the $200. It wasn't about losing the 156 on the plane ticket and meals and expenses. It was about, I had to know. You ever see fucking uh, Dirty Harry? 
There's a scene in Dirty Harry, one of the first shootouts where he's having coffee and these guys are trying to rob a bank and he's like, what the fuck? I'm trying to have fucking coffee here. You could see it as he's walking out with his gun and he's wiping his fucking face. He had like jelly roll juice on his face and he's walking down and he starts shooting people, bah, bah, bah. And all of a sudden there's this one dude on the floor, fucking guy, African-American dude. He did a thousand movies, great actor. He's on the floor and Clint Eastwood takes the fucking gun from like kicks it away and he goes you know this is the most powerful gun in the world or clean your fucking whatever and all of a sudden Clint Eastwood sees his hand moving to get the gun you know what scene I'm talking about mm -hmm. and he go, Clint Eastwood looks at him and shoot him and he goes I gots to know I gots to know like because Clint's told him you got six in the chamber and you already shot five or maybe six if you feel lucky, go for the fucking gun. And Clint just sits there and we're looking at him. And the guy goes, I got to know if there's six or seven in that motherfucker. And then Clint Eastwood picks up the gun, points it at him. And he goes, let's find out. And he just goes, and the guy's like fucking, <laughs> he opens. He goes, now you know. All right, It's the same thing. I had to know. I had to know if I really had it. I had to know that. I can fucking do it, man. So that's why there's nothing wrong with that. You got to prove your point sometimes. If you know you could back it up, you got to back it up. And guess what? I never went back to Carolines again. Never. Never. When I was trying to get into New York, they wouldn't fucking uh, take me. That's the truth. And it was because of that fucking bombing 10 years earlier. I mean, what? Else? this is why I tell comics. Don't go any place you don't belong until you're ready. Because if they see you and you bomb, it's going to take years to take away that unbombing. And that's a problem with a lot of club owners. They see you when you're starting off. You go in there, you know, you you, you just did you just did great at Vinny's House of Pizza Pies. You know, you did seven minutes and some fucking guy that told you you're the next Andrew Dice Clay so you put yourself in a bad position and you go to an open mic at one of those punchlines or one of those improvs and shit like that. And let me tell you something. You eat a bag of dicks. How many improvs are there? 40. 28 of them are going to find that. If you eat a bag of dicks at a punchline, that's like six clubs. I think they got Sacramento, San Francisco, Atlanta, Philadelphia. Do you follow how this goes? So when you go... Into these, like, I was ready for Caroline's the first time I went in there. I was already not established, but I was already a regular at some stores. And I was working as a fucking feature act. If you're not fucking established and you walk into these clubs and you eat a bag of dicks, 10 years later, they're going to call that club. And if that lady or that man or who or whatever the fuck they call themselves now, if they're still there, they're going to go, Mike Klein, Mike Klein. Yeah, I remember Mike. He did a fucking, he started here in Denver or in Boulder. And you're like, yeah, that's him. So can we have a week? And they're like, nah, he didn't do too good last time he was here. And the agent's like, when was he there? Mm, like 10 years ago, he ate a bag of dicks here. And the agent's like, well, can't we get him back in and give him another chance? Well, if he wants to come through and do a showcase, that'd be great. But we can't make him an offer. And you're like, what? Like when I got into comedy, I never worked Denver. Yeah. Denver clubs would not hire me. And then, then they kept getting out of business. The comedy club went out of business. McKelvey's went out of business. And I'd been thrown out of the comedy works. 
this is why you don't. That's why people always go, nobody hires me at home. Very seldom does a comic who came up in Philly come home to Philly and fucking work a club. Because they remember him from fucking 10 years ago. They're like, ah, we don't want you around here. Very seldom do you get to work, like in Jersey. Guys, how many clubs did I work in Jersey all those years? Not too fucking many. I would come to Jersey, do the stretch. And I'm talking about 2000. I'm talking about 20 fucking years ago. <clears throat> Did you see what happened yesterday? I'll bring it up in a second. I'm talking 20 fucking years ago. 20 years ago, I would come to Jersey. And I had to beg these guys. And I would tell them, I'm from Jersey. I'm at the store. I work the improv. I do this. I just shot an episode of this. I did a movie. I still remember calling Uncle, Uncle Vinny's. Ten years ago, when the podcast and stuff, and he's like, I don't know you, don't call here again, you know. that That's just the way it is, guys. That's the way it is. Nobody wanted to hire me in Jersey. When I fucking, nobody wanted to hire me in Jersey, and nobody wanted to hire me in New York. And Gotham stepped up. Then all the clubs found out the damage I did at Gotham, and they're like, oh, we'll take Joey now, and it's too fucking late. Got them already fucking took great care of me. Why the fuck would I, uh, you know, want to go to that thing? Anyway, that's my Caroline story on a Wednesday afternoon. I just want to, shh, Thursday. Right. <clears throat> nah, that's it. I don't even know when it's going to close. There's a girl that reaches out to me from time to time. I did a podcast about a year ago after the Many Saints came out. And she fucking, uh. She does individual shows there. She did the show November 30th, but I wasn't available. If she contacts me again, I'll go over there. I know that uh, my boy, uh, Pop, is doing a show in the village next week. And I'm thinking of going in one night. 10-minute, 12-minute spot. Go over there. They're all woke, so it's all NYU students. So they're just going to stare at me. But I just like to go to, I, can't, I love to just go down there and go off on them and watch them. Because if you're not going to laugh at me and go off on me for being the man that I am, I'm going to go off at you for being the worm that you are. Oh, we're, we're woke now. Go fuck yourself. Yesterday I woke up to a bunch of fucking messages from people. It was the weirdest thing. Tuesday morning. And I'm like, what the fuck are people hitting me? December 6th, like, congratulations, 20 years from Analyze That. I'm like... Wow. I actually had to sit there for a second and go, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Again, analyze that. Which one did I do? Analyze this. Dude, the second one, right? Is the second one or analyze that is the second one? Analyze that was the first one. Analyze that was the first one. I was already in LA. And I'll never forget, I went down to the. To Sunset Boulevard, the big plex, the dome, the fucking great theater. They have chicken sausages with fucking, oh my God, chicken and apple sausage with something else. It's fucking delicious. And uh, I really enjoyed Analyze This, the first one. I thought it was fucking great. And I can't lie to you, those were the days whenever I go see a movie and I thought I could be in that movie, I'd get fucking pissed off. I'd sit there and go, fuck. I could have been in this movie, but I'm a stand-up. Nobody's going to fucking talk to me about goddamn acting and shit. And uh, I thought it was a great movie. I saw Harold Ramis directed it. 
and he was one of my favorite directors of all fucking time. And uh, I don't know. That was another thing I just wanted to get a piece of. Like, I was like, I got to get in that fucking, if they ever do one of these again. And I'll never forget that I went in for an audition for Mind of a Dangerous Man or something like that. It was the story of Chuck Barris. I think that's his name. The guy that used to host the gong show. So I wasn't thinking anything. I did my lines. I read. I was prepared. I went to see a coach. But I knew I wouldn't get the role because it was a role for some Spanish dude. As a matter of fact, I knew it, was, it belonged to Luis Guzman. I go, as I was reading it, I'm like, this is Luis Guzman's. And he needed another Mexican dude in there. I go, this is Luis Guzman's. Luis is Puerto Rican, but they were looking for like Puerto Rican guys. And I read for her, I, I forgot what her name was. I read for her, I read for her, Sheila Jaffe and Walken. So I had met Georgian Walken when I read for The Sopranos the first time. And Georgian, on the way out, told me to keep in touch with her. She goes, keep in touch with me and send me reels to anything that you do, which is always a great sign when somebody leaves the door open like that. So I never really thought about it. I went, it was December, and I went in to see Sheila Jaffe in L.A. for that Mind of a Dangerous Man. I think that's the name of the movie. I don't know. It's a Chuck Barris autobiography. I get in there, I read, blah, blah, blah. It's not going my way. I mean, I, I did a good read, but I knew it wasn't for me. And she she looked at me, she goes, you did a great job, but this, this is not going to work out for you. And I go, I know. This is Louis Guzman's role. She goes, I know. And we started talking. And she goes, but the next movie I'm working on, I'm lying. It wasn't Sheila Jaffe. It was the same lady I read for De Niro a couple weeks ago. She goes, the movie, I'm happy you came in. It's not going to work for you. The next movie I'm doing, it's your movie. And I go, what are you doing? And she goes, analyze that. I didn't care if it sucked. I didn't know what the script was. It didn't matter to me. I just knew I wanted in on this fucking movie. So she goes, she told me the same thing George Ann Walken said to me. She goes, whatever the fuck you need, whatever you shoot or whatever, mail me a fucking a, a reel. I go, fine. And I wasn't out that motherfucking office 10 minutes. I got a call from my agent to go read for Fox, uh, a fucking show about two gay gangsters, the Mezzos. And I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, this was the deal that Big Pussy left the Sopranos for, but then ABC didn't want to do it, and, and it reverted back to Fox. So now Fox wants to do a short film to see if they can explore this and you know see what kind of characters they get. Go read for it. So when I read for it, I ended up booking it. We shot the first week of January. No big deal. But I kept telling those guys, listen, they're shooting Analyze That. 
and I want to get in on this, so do me a favor. Just give me two scenes from this movie. Two fucking scenes is all I need. Two clips, two-minute scenes. The guys are so cool. I'll never forget their name. Joe Arpino or something like that, little gay dude. He's got the best job in America now. He's a director. He makes six figures. He works nine to five and no weekends. He's a director for videos that build stuff at Costco. No, Ikea, Ikea. So when you see it, when you buy a fucking futon at Ikea and you want directions to build it and you put that video in, he directs those videos. Fucking best job in California. He sent me two clips. I got them to that lady, and then she called me, and she goes, Hey, Joey, would you like to audition for Analyze That? I'm like, fuck, yeah. And she goes, Okay, you got to read in New York. And I was like, No problem. I'll go to fucking New York. Because there was no auditions on tape back then, at least not for me on that project. So I'll never fucking forget. I come back from New York. The audition's on my birthday. I'm like my, I don't know, my 40-something birthday, 42nd, 41st. I fucking, I don't have the money for the plane ticket. I'm staying on my buddy George's couch, and uh, I probably got 25 bucks in my pocket. I'm flat fucking broke. I didn't know how I was going to get a plane ticket, so I called my buddy in Denver. He worked for Frontier, and he got me a buddy pass on Frontier, which means you're lucky if you even get there with this fucking buddy pass. I know Frontier is doing that new deal, $100, $600, and you fly the rest of the year for free. Good luck with that. You don't know about that? It starts in May. Not a bad program. Look into it. So I take the Frontier airline, and I, it's a connecting flight. You got to go through Denver, and they lose my luggage. I mean, I got in at 11 in the morning, and my audition was at fucking 2. They lost my fucking luggage on my fucking birthday. So I had to borrow 50 bucks from my brother, shoot down to some fucking marshals, buy a warm-up suit, sneakers, underwear, hair gel, yeah, the whole thing. And even though I was ruffled, this time I didn't bomb. I fucking went down to the village read for her and Harold Ramis and knocked it out of the fucking park. And as a matter of fact, before I went down there, I went to see my stepfather and he gave me the Indian ring, the ring that I have for everything. I tell you, I've worn that on every movie role I've had, any Italian roles, anything like that. And I'll never forget putting the ring on for the audition, getting the audition, booking the role, and then it became my fucking lucky ring. For you people who didn't know, I got the lucky ring. And I'll never forget shooting that motherfucker. Like, we shot it maybe 20 minutes from where I'm living right now. <clears throat> I drive by there every once in a while and go, oh, my God, this is, this changed so much. They wanted me to go into the city and meet them over here at, like, 8 in the morning. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So I'm in Jersey already. I'm down here. I was staying in Morganville, which is 10 minutes from here. I go, you want me to go all the way into the city so I can get in a van with you motherfuckers and come all the way back here to Kearney, New Jersey. And they're like, yeah. I go, all right. I said, that's not going to work. i just meet you at Kearney. And I went. Fucking great day of shooting, 12-hour day. Talked to Harold Ramis for maybe nine of those hours. Had no contact with De Niro. Just saw him socially fucking fan out. Um it was just a fucking great day, man. I couldn't wait for that more. I'm like, that's it. I made it. Like, I worked so hard to get that fucking movie. Sides, 
acting coach, you know, I, I just went and I got shot. I get shot in the first fucking minute of the movie. That's when I had the beginning of the movie. Every movie I did was in the beginning. That taxi, but uh, it was just, I don't know. I, I think it was the Harold Ramis thing. I, I think it was Anthony Lampaglia. Just, I, I, that movie was the first time I could look at people that said that you ain't going to do nothing. Like Mad TV was one thing and basketball is the other. But a De Niro movie with my scenes being with Anthony Lampaglia, who at that time was a star of his own, fucking meant the world to me, guys. That 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 right there, I could tell a lot of people to suck my dick after that. All those people that said, well, you're not castable. Well, it's a fucking De Niro movie with Harold Ramis. Go fuck yourself. So I was very proud of that movie. And I remember, Doug, I could tell you things. I was dying to get my hand on that reel from that movie. So we were doing everything we could. And I'm going to tell you a funny story. A guy from the Army, I was he used to promote shows that I would do for a certain promoter or something like that. He would help him out. And he's like, man, I'd get you that tape. And I go, how? And he goes, you tap into Warner Brothers' film base because they move everything on some... I mean, this guy told me shit I never even knew. In fact, I can't even repeat it. I don't remember how they did it. Everything they do, all the movies and editing, is through online. He goes, if you tap into it, you can hack their thing and get it. He calls me two weeks later. I got it for you. It's hacked. Done. I got it. It's like the movie comes out December 6th, and I'm, people are like, send me that tape so we can see if we can put you in this movie. I'm fucking... First off, the movie's going to come out. I can't tape in the movie theater. So I got to wait for the movie to come out on DVD for me or VHS, whatever the fuck it was, the format was. And then I got to take a snippet of that. The studios are not going to send me a snippet for me to fucking. So we get the snippet. My friend steals the snippet off the studio. So we're going to have it ready for the six. As soon as the movie comes out, we're going to have our reel. When you steal it from the movie, it comes out backwards. So instead of me being on like this side, I was really on this side. Now we had to get somebody to flip it around. I had to call 80 fucking studios to flip it around. Nobody could do it. This one dude with a missing eye said he'd do it for me. I got down. That guy's got one missing eye. He's smoking cigarettes. It's dark in there. He looks at it. He goes, I could do it, but I won't. And I go, why not? He goes, because I'll go to jail for 10 years. That's property of Warner Brothers. I'm not doing that. And that was the end of my... The movie came out. I'll never forget, I went with like 20 of my friends, Josh Wolf. We all went. We all chipped in. We were all broke. We had like peanuts and shit. Talk, the movie started. There I am. And then I got shot. And then we had to sit there for two hours and watch this god-awful fucking movie. I was never so embarrassed in my life. But, hey, I got the fucking movie. I didn't know it was going to suck. That's my fucking <laughs> That's my analyze that story. And that's it, motherfuckers. It's Wednesday the 8th. Thursday the fucking 8th. We've done it again another week down. We got fucking basically three weeks till uh, my show in uh, Sony Theater. And we basically got two and a half weeks for fucking Christmas. We're sticking around. Listen, you've great Christmas idea because people keep asking me. People really like these laughing gas things. As a matter of fact, the male girl asked me the other day if she could have a sticker. Okay, <laughs> how the fuck does she even know I had stickers? People like the laughing gas. What I'm doing for you guys this holiday is 20% off any other gear. Just you code COCO, C-O-C-O, -C -O, 
at laughinggas.com. Get whatever the fuck you want. 20% off for the holidays. Use code COCO. And don't forget, oh my God, fucking New York uh, Stoner Club has some fucking weed, some indica in New York. He gave me some a couple of days ago. I took three hits off a joint that he gave me, like a pre-roll. They're not fucking around over that. If you live in New York City right now, order. I'm going to hook you up. 10% off. Lifetime. Uncle Joey at stonersclub.com. It's that fucking easy, guys. I gave you 20% off on the fucking uh, memorabilia, whatever the fuck you call it, the uh, merch. And 10% off on weed for life. Who's better than your Uncle Joey? Nobody, you bad motherfuckers. We're still set for the motherfucking uh, 28th of December. It's my wife's birthday. I'm writing some material. I'm excited. And uh, that's it and that's that, guys. We fucking killed this motherfucker another week in a row. Stay black. I love you. And don't forget about me. See you next Monday. And now for a word. My motherfucking sponsors, Jack. All right, I want to thank you guys for taking a tremendous year beat until I had some fun, so who gives a fuck? Listen, I want to welcome rocketmoney.com. Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions, but you're wrong. It's close to like 200 Those numbers add up. You could be wasting hundreds of dollars each month on subscriptions you didn't even know you had. That's why I love Rocket Money, formerly known as True Bill. The app shows all your subscriptions in one place and cancel whatever ones you don't want. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't even know you were paying for. You may even find out you've been double charged for a subscription. To cancel a subscription, just press cancel and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. It's that easy. Get rid of useless subscriptions right now. With rocketmoney.com slash Joey. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash Joey. You're going to save hundreds of dollars per year. Cancel your unnecessary subscriptions right now at rocketmoney.com slash Joey. The joint is also brought to you by my fucking favorite DraftKings. Why? It's fun. And they're the official sports betting partner of the UFC. This Saturday, you got UFC 282. And that's great. You got $5 pre-fight money line on any fighter to win. And you get $150 in free bets when they do. But we also got college football. We got college basketball. We got pro football, pro basketball. And you're sitting there fucking bored to pieces 20 days before the holidays. I'm going to put an extra deuce in your pocket before Christmas. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 50% boost when you place the same game parlay on UFC 282. So do me a favor. Download the app today. Use promo code Joey, J-O-E-Y, and bet $5 on pre-fight money line on any fighter to win and you'll get a buck fifty when they do. That's code Joey this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It's that easy to play to win, Jack. And Liquid IV, come on. They're the best time. Hydration has to be on the top of your daily list. It's like eating chicken cutlets. Liquid IV is the same way to stay hydrated. You get five essential vitamins and you hydrate two times faster than with water alone. Just with one stick of Liquid IV. Cooler weather makes it even easier to miss signs of dehydration. Like overheating, so it's important to stay hydrated. Listen, I use it when I'm in jiu-jitsu. I'll 
put it in my little drink there and I'll drink from it and I feel tremendous afterward. Why? Because they contain five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. They got all the Bs. Made with premium ingredients, Liquid IV is free from gluten, dairy, and soy. So grab your Liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco or at liquidiv.com. Use promo code Joey at checkout. That's 20% off anything with code Joey at liquidiv.com. I want to thank Liquid IV. I want to thank BetterHelp. I want to thank rocketmoney.com. I want to thank DraftKings. I want to thank all you fucking savages for listening and for having my back. We'll be back Monday morning. Tip top Magui, Louie. Stay black. I love you, cocksuckers. suckers.